Welcome to the Cider Nation podcast, a unique baseball podcast. Today we have former MLB player and NFL quarterback Josh Booty. Thanks for coming on, Josh. Man, thanks for having me. It's always fun to do these types of things, and especially with the Canadian. Um, you know, I'm from Louisiana, <laughs> so I grew up a long ways from Canada. I've been several times, but it's always fun to uh, to get up there when I when I have been able to get up there. And I appreciate you having me on the on the program, brother. I guess first things first, Josh, could you talk to us a little bit about kind of like what sports looked like for you growing up? Like what sports did you play in high school? Oh, yeah. Um, my dad was a football coach um, and played slow pitch softball. So I always grew up either, you know, at the football stadium, uh, you know, going to high school practices and things like that. Or, you know, at the ballpark, uh, watching him play, you know, pretty competitive softball, to be honest with you. Um they would travel a lot of the summer. So that's, that's kind of my earliest memories of sports were at the, you know, either at the ballpark or at the football fields uh, while the older guys were playing or my dad's age group was, was out on the field and I'd shag fly balls and try to get in a little BP at the end or something to be around them. But um, just grew up loving both, you know, football and baseball. I played basketball too in middle school and in high school, I was a point guard. So I did the the three sport thing. Nowadays, it's it's very very difficult because of the time that you have to put into one or the other or two of the yeah. three. You know, it's just so difficult now with the game, the amount of games that these kids play. I had a friend of mine; he coached a ten year old baseball team, youth team, and his son, and he said he played eighty eighty two games last summer. And I said that's more than the LSU Tigers or the or the. <laughs> know the an, an SEC schedule baseball schedule or college baseball schedule I said man that's for 10 year olds honey he goes no nah, we love it so I mean I think just you know parents love it as much as the kids do and and they they're pushing their kids through the uh through the ringers but at the same time they're getting better because they're getting you know they're getting to play all over and do some of the things that I wish I would have had I would love to play 80 games you know in the when I was 10 years old we would we just play in the backyard but yeah, high school football and baseball were very big. Basketball was just something that I enjoyed doing, but it wasn't what I knew I was going to have an opportunity doing at the next level. And then out of high school, Josh, you got drafted in the first round there by the Marlins. Could you talk to us a little bit about kind of what that looked like, kind of decision-wise for you? Sure, sure. Um, you know, I'd signed with LSU to play uh, quarterback and shortstop uh, my senior year of high school, and then the Marlins – uh, drafted me early in the first round. This was in 1994, so it was a few years back. Um, now that I guess we look at it uh, in 2022, but, um, you know, they came in. It was a new franchise, Wayne Huizinga, the owner, who owned, like, Blockbuster Video and Virgin Records, and he owned the Florida Panthers and the Dolphins, and he just was a sports nut. Um, he, uh, he drafted me in the first round, and I was the high school kid. Uh, just got done with his, you know, senior year of baseball and in, in high school, and and had a pretty successful 
run at it, of course, I guess, to be drafted that high and had played a lot of uh, summer baseball the year before in for the USA team, uh, which kind of got me noticed at that type of uh, that type of level. And when the Marlins drafted me and, and uh, we went through a negotiation process, I had some leverage because of the football stuff and the, the opportunity to play quarterback that fall at LSU and probably start my first year because they didn't have a returning starter at that position, uh, you know, made the Marlins fork out a little money uh, to acquire me and to sign me. And at that time it was a, it was a a signing bonus uh, record um, for an amateur athlete. Um, So I I was able to leverage the football at the, at the, you know, at that time and uh, sign with the Marlins late. In uh, in the summer, I went and played four games in the Penn League in uh, Elmira, New York. So my 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 first kind of introduction into professional baseball was in the Penn League with the Elmira Pioneers, uh, a team that I think Babe Ruth played either for or against way way back in the day. So it was going from Louisiana to the New York Penn League with bus rides and college ball players that had now you know, going on to professional ranks. I was by far the youngest kid on the team, but it was fun, man. I, it was something that I always wanted to do was play, you know, either in the NFL or major league baseball. And I wanted to, I wanted to do both. And, and at that time it was the baseball route. I had to lay down the football and sign with the Marlins. And I did it because of the contract, to be honest with you. And, um, and some big league call-ups, big league spring training invite stuff, um, which made it very, very, I think easy for me at that time to choose what to do. And I guess Josh, kind of what type of baseball player would you kind of describe yourself? Um, I was uh, I was kind of a free swinging, like uh, you know, home run type of hitter. Okay. Uh, I played, yeah, I played defense uh, at a much higher level. I think younger uh, in the minor league, just because I I was. Uh, you know, my, my arm and my athleticism playing quarterback, you know, every throw counts. I, I didn't make many mistakes in the field. Um, I think I was defensive player of the in the organization a couple of years in a row or something back in the 90s uh, in the minor leagues. And I, so I didn't make many mistakes on the field. But but at the plate, I struck out a lot and I wasn't selective and I was young and kind of dumb in terms of what I was trying to get done. As a hitter, I wish I would have been a little bit more selective. A walk is okay. I, I, I wanted to hit the ball out of the ballpark and show everybody that get to the big leagues fast and, you know, hit 40 home runs in the big leagues, stuff like that. So it was very, very tough in the beginning because I, I saw steady diet of off-speed pitches out of the zone and I was swinging at them. And I, I just I, – I didn't want to walk. I, I thought that was boring and I wish I would go back now – uh, my personality's definitely changed as, as I've got older. I think it, when I'm when you're young, you're super aggressive, and and I just needed to tone it down a little bit in terms of, of pitch selection and um, approach at the plate. And Josh, could you talk to us a little bit about your MLB debut? Sure, sure. I, I got called up. Uh, I think 90, 1996, so two years after I was drafted, and um, they, they I pinch hit. Uh, it was against the Braves at home, and I remember being so nervous. Uh, I guess every kid's nervous, especially at that age, if you get that call up and that opportunity. And uh, I had not hit for several weeks because I had gone from the minor leagues to uh, a call up and um, was was on the bench. So I was sitting there on the bench. I was kind of cold, and I remember 
uh, you know, them saying, hey, Booty, you're going to get in that bat for the pitcher, pinch hit for the pitcher or whatever. And we're in the eighth or ninth inning. And there's a guy named, um, I think it was Brad Klontz that was pitching for the Braves at the time, kind of a sidewinding righty. And, and yeah. um, <laughs> I got in the, I got in and, and uh, hit a ball down the right field line. I was late on a fastball. I hadn't seen a pitch in probably 10 days. No, that's a, that's an eternity in baseball during the season. Uh, and just hit a ball right down the right field line. And, and I, I tripped around in first a little bit. And I was, I thought about going to, to second. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I can't, I shouldn't do that. I'd get thrown out by 10 feet. So anyways, I, uh, a single in my first at bat. And I was of course happy with, with the outcome, but, um, you know, it wasn't anything special other than a hit to the to right field because I was a little late on a fastball. <laughs> and then kind of after baseball there, Josh, you went back and played college football. Could you talk to us a little kind of, you know, how that came about? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, my I have a I have three younger brothers, but uh, one that's three years younger than me. And he was a fantastic receiver signed with LSU. I uh, was freshman all SEC in 97, and that was the year we won the World Series with the Marlins, and I was backing up at the end of the year. I got a call up. Bobby Bonilla was hurt. And, and uh, I'll make a long story short, but that year we we won the World Series. I went back to Louisiana a week after the World Series title, and they're playing number one Florida in Tiger Stadium. And LSU beat number one Florida, and my brother had 100 yards receiving as a freshman. And then – Anyways, the goalpost came down. It was just absolute mayhem in Tiger Stadium, you know, 100,000 people, whatever. It was crazy. And I was like, man, this is crazier. Uh, SEC matchup is crazier than the World Series was in terms of how much emotion and energy was in a stadium. And and I was like, man, this is this is unbelievable. So I, I, I wanted to get out of my contract and go back and play a year of football with my brother to see – how I would do. And I was stuck in AAA. Uh, I think I was going to start AAA the next year is what they had told me. And uh, so, so I knew I wasn't going to start in the big leagues. And so I like, let me go back and play a little football and see what I can do. And so I was going to do it for a year. Uh, we had a guy named Jerry Donardo was the head coach and we had a rough, rough year. We had a couple linemen go out. My brother got hurt. Another receiver got caught doing something stupid uh, and had to sit out the entire year. We lost our one of our safeties was an All American, Mark Roman. Uh, we had another receiver go down. I mean, we were just injury plagued. We couldn't run the football, so it was always third and long. And I just I tried to try to do too much, kind of like at the plate. I wanted to, you know, throw touchdowns every every snap. And I'm like, no, I got to back into those touchdowns. You got to take what they give you. And I learned some real lessons and. Donardo got fired that year at LSU and uh, Chancellor Mark Emmert, who was the who was the president of the NCAA for a long time until recently, he was the chancellor and he brought in um, Nick Saban and Saban was my head coach my second year at LSU. Um, I had started my first year and now I'm the second year he brought in Jimbo Fisher to be the offensive coordinator who's the head coach of the Aggies now at Texas A&M and we became really close and we did some good things. I mean, we went eight and three, I think the next year uh, I was a little older because I'd played baseball. My brother uh, had kind of stayed injured the whole time. I, I did throw him some passes, but it wasn't, it, I think I threw him six touchdowns uh, at, in Tiger stadium or, you know, in the, at LSU, but it wasn't as what I hoped for in terms of him being healthy and us having the right offense click. And so I'm like, I need to go back, uh, See if I can 
uh, you know, she might not go back, but I, I want to go see and test myself into the NFL draft if I can draft it because I was a little older at the time. So I did that. I went into the combine, did that, uh, got drafted in the sixth round by the Seahawks and was a, was a backup quarterback for, uh, you know, in the NFL for a while. And um, so I, I've done both, man. I've been drafted early. I've been drafted late. I've, uh, I've been to college play football. I've been through the minor leagues. I've, I've kind of done a little bit of everything, man. And, um, you know, it's, it's totally fun. I can tell you a lot about the NFL too and all kinds of things, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it was quite kind of a ride in, in two sports. And I, maybe if I'd have just played one, I would have, I would have done, you know, played one a lot, lot longer, but my goal was to try to play both and to play at the highest level. And I reached the highest level, but I'm, I'd love to still be playing. I'm, you know, Brady's playing. Why can't I still be playing? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was going to ask Josh, like I kind of saw like you were over in Europe earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, last October oh, I was, yeah. I was in a, I was in a game, um, uh, USA team. We went over and played, uh, kind of an exhibition game against uh, the European All-Star, the European Football League All-Stars. And gotcha. it's the NFL Europe, you know, Barcelona, Amsterdam, all those teams. Uh, anyways, I, I, it was kind of funny how it happened. The offensive coordinator of the team, of Team USA, is a good friend of mine. He called me looking for a quarterback, and I said, man, you're talking to him. You know, he's like, ah, you know, you're 46 years old. I'm like, yeah. You're talking to him. He goes, would you really play? And I'm like, he goes, there's no one older than 24 on the whole team. I'm like, yeah, I'll play. And so I went over there and played, and I was fine. But at the same time, it was we didn't have a great offensive line, and I got sacked in the first quarter and got on my back, knee into my back. And I was man, I'm not getting paid to, put, to do this, right? So I, I think I was four for four passing. I was completing balls, but, um, you know, I got I got hit. I got hit hard and, and on a sack play and I it, it kind of sent a shot down my right leg. And I was like, man, this ain't worth, you know, to play, try to play hurt. So I was like, man, I'm going to sit it out. And, uh, and I didn't play the rest of the game, but I, I did go to Berlin and, and try to play for team USA and started and, and threw through four or five passes, which was fun. <laughs> and then also Josh, you won the competition, the next knuckler. Yeah. <laughs> um, how how was that experience? And you ended up like I guess going to spring training with, with the Diamondbacks. Yeah, yeah. So it's seven or eight years ago now. It seems like it was two years ago. But um, one Ali show on the Major League Baseball Network, and because I won the show, I got an invite to big league camp, uh, kind of as a fun deal or whatever with the Diamondbacks. Uh, as kind of a marketing deal for Major League Baseball Network, and when I got there, I actually thought I did pretty good in the beginning. Um, they kept me around the entire spring training, which was, which was crazy. I thought I might only be there a week and pitch once, but I pitched in three spring training games. I, I think I had five strikeouts throwing a knuckleball in against big league hitters. I mean, it was crazy stuff. Um, in the show, there's just a bunch of former football players competing uh, to, to kind of like the big break in, in, on the golf channel. It was a uh, reality competition show and I wanted uh, of course I'd played baseball before so I was a little ahead of all the football guys uh, in terms of just you know 
being a baseball guy and throwing a knuckler and all that stuff. They taught us how to throw a knuckleball and it was a reality show competition. But so I won that and went to spring training, but it was super fun being in Arizona. I had only been to spring training in Florida with the Marlins. So it was something new to be in Arizona and I love Arizona um, spring training there. And that state is awesome. And um, I had a lot of fun. Uh, Kirk Gibson was the, was the uh, the manager of the team. And there were some awesome guys, Dusty Baker, Steve Sachs, and Mark Grace. A lot of good dudes that I had played against or watched growing up to uh, were a part of that organization at the time. So it was super fun to uh, to go through that month and pitch in the, in the big leagues for training games. Did you pick up on the knuckler pretty quick or did it take a, take a little bit? Or um, it, it took me about a week, I think. You know, okay. I had – uh, from Tim Wakefield teaching me how to throw it. So that I had the best guys in the world teaching me how to throw it. And I, I threw it a little different than they did. Um, my fingernails were actually in the laces. Their fingernails are on the leather, on the white okay. part of the yeah. baseball. So I threw it a little different, but I could take the spin off and it was moving. And, um, you know, I threw in exhibitions. Uh, I went to Houston to USA Baseball and threw, threw to, like, Lance Bergman and Adam Dunn, and the guys couldn't hit it, man. If I was throwing it good, they couldn't hit it. And so it was fun. It was just It's just hard to control. Um, you really got to get good at at controlling. Uh, it's funny. The, even the, the best knuckleballers ever, they, um, they'll tell you not really trying to locate. They, they said picture <laughs> a, a Coke can or a beer can top of the catcher's mask and you throw to that beer can every time or try to knock that Coke can off the top of his mask, the ball is going to go down. It's going to move the way it wants. So it's like, that's, that was always what I thought about was like a can on top of the, the catcher's head, trying to hit the can. It's like just totally different than, than pitching like a normal pitcher in the big leagues or in any league. I mean, in literally <laughs> you're take, taking the spin off your hands got to get in front of your body and when you're pitching, when you're really, really pitching, then, you know, you're you're pushing off and you're driving and it's a different type of, you know, trying to create velocity. And and, and with the with the knuckleball, you don't really you're trying not to create too much velocity. Then it won't take the spin off if you do. Yeah, it's something my buddy and I have talked about, like if you could just get like a 12 year old to maybe develop a knuckleball and then. <laughs> have it for whatever like you throw a knuckleball all high school and just be curious to kind of see if you could make that. it that way. yeah <laughs> you know you still have a little something extra um you know whether it's a breaking ball or a fastball yeah. absolutely yeah you work it but um yeah i mean you know baseball it's just it's hard to okay sell out to the knuckleball at an early age you know it'd be hard my <laughs> I have twin boys and one of them actually throws a knuckleball and he started in high school games, but he doesn't throw. That's not his main pitch. It's just like one of his four and he never really throws it. So I'm like, you know, it it would be hard to sell out, you know, only if you don't have a good fastball or you can, you top out at like 85. That's when I would maybe try it because if you're topping out at 85, you're not going to make the big leagues. (laughs) No. Yeah, unless you're maybe like a sidearm submarine pitcher and can get away with maybe like that less velo, right? But it's kind of that same thing, like that dropping down with kind of slash knuckleball. They're kind of distant cousins, I guess, hey? Yeah, they are. I uh, I was throwing to Gary Sheffield one day in Tampa, knuckleballs, and 
And uh, I started throwing them kind of sidewinding, like you said, like submarine, like Brett Saberhagen. And yeah. um, and the ball moved like crazy, but it moves up instead of down. And so, it, you know, it, it would confuse you. But if you do it all the time like that, the ball come, goes up into the hitter's zone, and that's where you get crushed. So I had it, I had it moving sideways, but you couldn't throw like that. You couldn't throw every pitch like that no. because – ball kind of stays up it doesn't go back down it's weird <laughs> i fiddled with it <laughs> <laughs> and you touched on a little bit earlier there josh kind of faced brad Klontz there i mean obviously you know inside being sidearm nation like do you remember facing many sidearm pitchers or and any, maybe any advice kind of what you were looking for as a hitter oh man um you know the best the best like three-quarter dude i've ever seen in my is is um was Kevin Brown. Um he played with Mark, of course the Yankees all over the place, but he he had such a bulldog mentality and do that hard sinker, uh, you know, sinker slider kind of guy, um, with a fastball that, you know, in the upper ninety or ninety-five and ninety-seven. I mean, dude's so good. And he's six four, six five, just chiseled, you know, just a great, great player. Um, but I remember facing him and you know i remember we would put the uh we would put those pads on our thumbs that you can wear because if you get jammed you know it rattles that the bone right below your thumb and can give you like a bad bone bruise when you get jammed and you play so many games with that wood bat you get jammed a lot especially by pitchers with those sinkers and so i remember those pads were the the first thing i thought about when you said sidearm is Dude, I'm gonna wear these these uh, puss pads because because I don't want to get jammed on a sinker at 97 miles an hour. And, you know they break bats, and I think that was that's one of the things that you have to do is you got to lay off the ball that starts inside because it's really gonna come in, and that's one of the things that you have to do as a hitter is like pick something out over the middle of the plate because those balls are going to end up in the inner third. The inner third balls are going to end up inside, and those are the ones that you can't get to. And um, so, you know, facing a sidearm pitcher, that's what I would say is you got to let that – you got to think about getting that ball out over the plate because even if it runs in, it's only going to run into the plate, you know, the inside part, the inner third. And you can handle that sometimes, but not if it starts on the inside. That thing is going <laughs> to hands quick. Nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Josh, did you have any teammates that were sidearm submarine pitchers? Did I what? Did I face many? Uh, did you have any teammates that were sidearm submarine oh, pitchers? Um I'm trying to think. We had a guy in double A, Jacobson. Uh it was an awesome little sidearm guy. Uh he was a big boy too. Um I'm, I'm trying to think of some real sidearm guys that not really. Not not that I played. Not that I really remember. I'm sure there were some, um, but not that I really uh, remember. Um, it's it's you know I played golf last week with with two weeks ago with El Duque with Levon and El Duque Hernandez and El Duque. You know when he pitched for the Yankees, he'd have a couple of arm angles, and we were yeah. talking a little bit about that. He felt comfortable kind of throwing it from anywhere, kind of like Kevin Brown. He go up high side, more of the side three quarter. He could do whatever, make it, make it do whatever. But I never really had a guy that I remember on my team that was 
there was a super sidearm guy that just got people out like crazy. And, and, and I don't remember that. And then just kind of curious there, Josh, like kind of from a quarterback standpoint, you see kind of Pat Mahomes kind of throwing sidearm and kind of how important is it to kind of mix up your arm slot from a quarterback standpoint, or does it happen much? Well, it's just to get, you, you don't want to get in the habit of doing that. I think it's just athletic ability taking over when there's someone in your face or you've got to throw around a defender yeah. or defensive lineman, um, you know, or somebody blitzing, it's like getting it out. Uh, it's, so, it's such an athletic move for a quarterback to do. You just don't want your quarterback doing that all the time, you know, throwing curl routes like that that are open or, you know, any other routes, uh, swing routes or something like that. You don't want him to, to get lazy with his feet and go sidearm. I think it's just a, for Mahomes, it's like I got the athletic ability. I can do it if I need to do it. And then all these younger kids think that they're Patrick Mahomes when they're not. But uh, I do think that it's it's something in his repertoire that is super, super uh, – he's got kind of a blessing on him, dude, because God bless him with an awesome arm with athleticism. And he's fearless. You know, he can stick in there for a long time and then flick it side sidearm, you know, 20 yards in the back of the end zone. It's just amazing. Um, but he he's really doing that to get it, you know, to get it out and to, to not have it batted down a lot of times. And, uh, you know, it gives him completions and he can do it. There's not many that can do it, though. And then, Josh, it's just time for our ninth inning call to the bullpen. So just going to be some random questions just okay. to learn a little bit more about you. Okay. Favorite NHL team? Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, the, the arena is named after a family that's very close to my, my family. Amelie, okay. the, oil, the oil arena. So, um, yeah, I, 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 root for the, I, I root for Tampa. Favorite travel destination? Ooh, Mexico. I mean, I like other places. I love Mexican food. I love tequila. I love sun, beach, stuff like that. So it's, I just like that, that vibe. All-time favorite professional wrestler. Oh, I would have to say, oh, man. Hulk Hogan or the Iron Sheep. That's who I grew up with. Like the Iron Sheep, the camel clutch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Favorite I'll, baseball movie of all time? Ooh. As a kid, it was Tiger Town. Um, as an adult, it was Robert Redford and The Natural. I just, I just love, I loved it. Um, it kind of had everything. It wasn't just baseball. It kind of had everything in it. And I love that about it. And Josh, if you could golf or have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would you like to go with? Whew. I would say Tiger. Yeah. I'd say I'm a Christian guy. I'm Billy Graham. Um, and uh, probably probably my brother, my youngest brother. is my best buddy, so I'd, I'd want to take him with me. Would you prefer to be golf or dinner? Golf. I guess with, with Tiger, you're going to have to go golfing probably. Hey? Yeah. <laughs> I guess golf. If I can golf with Tiger, I, I'd rather do that than dinner. <laughs> <laughs> any particular course um whoa, probably St. Andrews if I could play play with Tiger St. Andrews it'd be a hell of be a hell of an experience I think the home of golf with Tiger Woods uh, it'd be unbelievable 
And Josh, if you could be an Olympian in any sport, summer or winter, what sport would you like to do? Oh, that's awesome. I like I, it would be summer and be the 100 meters. I, it, <laughs> yeah, that'd be unbelievable. The fastest, like Usain Bolt, he's the fastest dude. <laughs> that'd be fun. The starting blocks with Usain Bolt. I mean, it'd just be like a, unreal. <laughs> And then lastly, Josh, on the 1996 Kane County Cougars, do you remember a former right-handed pitcher? He made it to the bigs. He's from Canada. He would have been 19 at the time, a former teammate of yours. Oh. Is it Will Kinane? Uh, No. I guess he didn't play that much in Kane County that season. I think he had like five or six starts. But he he would have been 19 years old. Just probably fresh from the draft from BC. Who who was it? Uh, Ryan Dempster. Oh yeah, of course. I love, him. <laughs> I love Dempster. He's one of my favorite people. I talk to him a lot. <laughs> I love Dempster. He's awesome. He's he's a funny guy too. You know, Malar and I are really good friends, and Dempster has stayed really good friends with Kevin. And so we've all kind of stayed good friends that way. So uh, I enjoy watching Ryan. He's a laugh. No, I appreciate you coming on, Josh. Is there any shout outs before we sign off? Well, man, I'm, uh, I'm launching an app in two weeks. I'd love to say something about it's, it's the name of my app's called Bula, B-U-L-A, which means wishing you luck or life. Uh, Doing a, peer social call to action so where you can challenge dare wager your friends anytime on anything anywhere and put it on the blockchain in a social environment so you can memorialize like a challenge or a bet or a wager or a dare for everybody to see so it's a, it's a call to action social or a, or a social challenge app and we're launching september 2nd you can go to bulachallenge.com and you can put your email in and be one of the first to be able to get on the app when it launches Awesome. That sounds awesome. Thank you, man. I'm pumped. We're pumped. We put a lot of work. Yeah, I, I bet. <laughs> she said, Do you come from a land down under? Where women glow and man thunder. Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? Yeah. You better run, you better take cover. Yeah. You better run, you better take cover